0: Today is Mother's Day, and I hope the mothers out there will be uh, well-celebrated and have a very happy day. Now, I am going to bring a sermon in keeping with the day, and I trust it will be an encouragement to you. This is a message for mothers, but it's also a message for everyone, and so nobody has permission uh, to tune out. We're going to consider the story of one of the more well-known mothers in Scripture. Her name is Hannah, and her story is found in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we'll take our reading in just a moment. Uh, Hannah lived during the time of the Judges which, uh, if you've read the book of Judges, uh, you will know, was uh, not a great time in Israel's history. Uh, The book of Judges finishes with those infamous words, In those days there was no king in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Uh, When every man does what he thinks is right... And not what God says is right, uh, that is a recipe for moral chaos and spiritual decline. Now, during the period towards the end of the era of the judges, uh, the, the tabernacle was set up in a place called Shiloh. And there may have been some more permanent structure set up around it. Uh, in fact, the word Temple is used to refer to whatever this structure was. It was to Shiloh that people came to worship the Lord and to keep the annual feasts in the law. It also seems as though the high priest had become the de facto leader of the nation. And when we are introduced to Hannah, the high priest was a man named Eli, He oversaw uh, the worship in the tabernacle alongside his two sons, who uh, unfortunately were very wicked men. The first incident in Hannah's life that's related to us is an annual pilgrimage she took with her family to worship the Lord in Shiloh. And the author of 1 Samuel uses it to introduce her family her circumstances, and to set up the story of the birth of her famous son. Now, please, if you would follow along with me as I read aloud from 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramahathim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu the son of Tohu, the son of Zaph, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice sons of the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. As we read these verses, I wonder if it jumped out to you just how much disappointment and difficulty Hannah had to deal with. Uh, she had a very hard life. Now, in case you miss some of the details, uh, uh, let me point them out to you. For a start, uh, Hannah had to share her husband with another woman. And how would you feel about that? Her husband, Elkanah, had two wives. Now, Hannah is mentioned first in verse 2, and I wonder if he married her first. And then, uh, because she bore him no children, he, he took a second wife. Imagine how humiliating that would have been for Hannah to have to welcome another woman into her home. To live with the knowledge that another woman was sharing the marriage bed with her husband. It would have been awful. And then to add to this was the fact that this other woman had children. Children. This other wife was able to bless Elkanah in that way and have that blessing herself. And today there is great heartache associated with infertility. But in Hannah's day, this was compounded by stigma and shame. It was often believed that infertility was the result of sin. It, it was God's judgment on a woman, and so Hannah had to bear that as well. Not just the, the, the pain of her own infertility, but the disapproval of society. She also had to cope with a husband who wasn't much of a comforter. Elkanah doesn't get very high marks on the husband scale, does he? I think he meant well, but he didn't help. In fact, he he made things worse for Hannah. And perhaps uh, some of you ladies have experienced this in your life. Uh, There have been occasions where your husband meant well, but only made things worse. We see two examples of this in the text. Uh, First of all, when the family sat down for the sacrificial meal at Shiloh. Uh, to show his his love for Hannah, he, he gave her a war, a worthy portion, it says in verse 5. Uh, he gave her more than he gave the other members of the family. Or, or he, he gave her the best portion of the meal, the, the best cut of meat. And it was obvious. He had the right motive. But this only served to provoke his other wife, Peninnah. It made her jealous. Why didn't she receive the worthy portion, or at least the same portion as Hannah? After all, she was the one who had borne children to Elkanah. Well, Peninnah took her jealousy out on Hannah, and she derided Hannah because she didn't have children. It was it was very nasty. Verse six, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And it seems as though this went on every year. Verse 7, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, Peninnah provoked Hannah. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Elkanah's demonstration of love only made Hannah's circumstances more difficult. And then secondly, uh, on the occasion described in this passage... When Hannah was upset and her husband, in an effort to comfort her, said something pretty thoughtless. Verse 8. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? He failed to empathize with Hannah, didn't he? And he was almost dismissive. As if the heartache of infertility was a small thing, not a significant reason to be upset. After all, she had him, didn't she? Wasn't he better to her than having many children? Instead of sharing her sorrow, he disparaged it. Instead of pointing her to the Lord, he pointed her to himself. What a sorry scene this was. And if only this was where it ended. Unfortunately, there was more of the same to come for Hannah. When the meal was finished, she went somewhere in the tabernacle precinct to pray. And when she did, it was the clergy that led her down. The minister of God who added to her grief. For First her husband, then the priest. Verse 12. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And <laughs> now she had the priest accusing her of being drunk in the house of the Lord accusing her of being an impious and wicked woman. (laughs) Imagine if you were in a similar situation. You were grieving. You were distraught about something and and you went into a church to pray, to to find some solace, and uh, the minister came over to you and accused you of being drunk and told you to stop drinking. That would be tough to hear, wouldn't it? That would be very upsetting, even crushing. If Hannah was going to find some comfort from anyone, surely it would be from the mouth of a priest. In Hannah's response to Eli, I think we see a very gracious person. Uh, if it was one of us, we'd, we'd probably have flown off the handle at him. You know, how dare you accuse me of being drunk, but not Hannah. Hannah. No. Verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. Very respectful. No, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And she was gentle, In her reply, and honest, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Well, thankfully, Eli responded in kind. Verse 17, then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And then as she left the tabernacle, we again See her graciousness in the deference that she showed to Eli. Verse 18, and she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. Now in verse 11, we're told what Hannah prayed. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She made a promise to the Lord, that if, if he would give her a son, if he would make it possible for her to conceive and bear a child, she would give that son into the Lord's service. Well, you you probably know the story. <laughs> the Lord answered Hannah's prayer. She conceived and brought forth a son, and she called him Samuel. And we can imagine Hannah's relief at having this Son, We can imagine her great joy. Finally, after years of heartache, she had a child. And the issue then became, would she fulfill her vow? Would she keep the promise that she made and give this child into the service of the Lord? Well, again, we we know the story and we know she did. Let's read on verse 21 and following. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed... And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Hannah fulfilled her vow. She, She gave her young son into the care of the priests, and he was raised with them in the tabernacle. Over in chapter 2, verse 18, we're told that Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. And Hannah made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Now what I want to concentrate on this morning is something in Hannah's story that is notable by its absence, and that is bitterness, bitterness. Hannah had to deal with very difficult circumstances, didn't she? Uh, There was the pain and the stigma of infertility. She was let down badly by the person closest to her. And she was disappointed and hurt by others. And yes, she was upset. She she experienced grief and sorrow. When she prayed in the tabernacle, the text says she was in bitterness of soul. That is, she was in pain. But there is not the slightest hint that she was bitter in that other sense of the word. There is not the slightest hint that she was resentful. In fact... We see quite the opposite, and that's remarkable. There was one disappointment after another. People failed her again and again and again, and yet we don't see an angry person. We don't see her mouthing off at her husband, or at Peninar, or at Eli. We don't even see her fulfilling her vow reluctantly. At least we might have expected to see that, some reluctance, some hard feelings when it came time to do what she said she would do. What we actually see on the occasion when she handed over her little son to the priests is that she broke out in praise to the Lord. We have her song recorded in chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Not a bitter mother not a bitter mother. That's what we see in this story. We see a person who, in human terms, had every reason to be bitter and angry, to resent her husband, to resent her family situation, to resent her spiritual leaders, to even resent the Lord, but a person who didn't. I don't have first-hand experience, but I am certain there are many parts of being a mother that might easily cause a woman to become bitter. It's a wonderful thing to be a mother, no doubt, but it's also very hard. There are the physical challenges that come with having infants and small children, the, the, the lack of sleep. Uh, the grinding tiredness that results from constantly having to provide care, cooking, cleaning, feeding, changing, dressing, bathing, nursing, etc., etc. There are limitations on where you can go and what you can do, and there are often financial restraints. There are the mental challenges, uh, the monotony of living with babies and infants, the, the lack of adult conversation trying to keep children occupied and yourself sane. There are the emotional hardships, feelings of isolation, feelings of inadequacy and and hopelessness. The, the, The child has been crying for what seems like hours and there is nothing you can do to settle her. There is that awful gripping fear when your child becomes sick And the symptoms seem to be more significant than those associated with teething or the common cold. And then there are those deeper heartaches. Those occasions when it feels like your husband is disinterested or distant. When it feels like he's not living up to his side of the bargain. When he's not much of a help, not much of a comforter. There is the hurt that comes when people you expected to be sympathetic are not, or when people you thought would help don't. I'm sure there are times when you feel like others are judging you for what you're doing or not doing with your children, and no doubt there are times when you feel very unappreciated. There is the hurt that comes when children are ungrateful and rude and I'd imagine this is, is especially pronounced when they behave this way as teenagers and young adults. And I realise this is a somewhat bleak picture of motherhood but I think it's an accurate one. I think this is some real talk this morning. All of these factors, plus many more, can make a mother Bitter. Tiredness and hurt and frustration can turn into anger and resentment. Mothers can resent their children, resent their husbands, resent their friends, resent their circumstances, resent society, and even resent the Lord. And other than the Lord, maybe these ones deserve to be blamed. But maybe they have failed in some way, but bitterness is never right. It's never a godly response it's not a healthy way to be I heard a preacher once say that bitterness is you drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies (laughs) and that's true it's a poison that kills all of the good things in our lives a poison that kills our relationships and shrivels our souls Bitterness prevents people from experiencing the joy of God's good gifts. It it casts a pall over everything. Bitterness saps away a person's energy. It, It takes the light out of their eyes. It spoils family life. It breaks apart marriages. It ruins friendships. It suffocates spiritual growth. It's a curse. And the question this story in 1 Samuel raises is, how did Hannah not become bitter? How come we don't see a a bitter mother in this story, given all that she experienced, all the heartache, all the disappointment? How was she not embittered by her circumstances? And how can we do the same? There are three things in this story that I believe were the keys for Hannah, the the things that prevented her from becoming bitter, and they are so for us as well. I want to briefly talk to each one, and then we'll be done. Uh, The first, and perhaps most obvious, was her praying. Her praying. Hannah was a woman of prayer. That comes through so clearly. And what I want you to especially note is in that moment of searing pain and disappointment, this is exactly what she did. After the meal in Shiloh, that was obviously so unpleasant for her, She didn't get into a slanging match with Peninnah, even though Peninnah had been insulting her terribly. And and she didn't turn on Elkanah for being so egotistical and insensitive when he attempted to comfort her. She didn't do anything like that at all. Rather, she went and prayed. Verses 9 and 10. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. She took her pain and her frustration to the Lord. She she poured out her soul to him. And it's interesting how after that time of prayer and that brief interaction with Eli, we read this in verse 18, so the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. I would go so far as to say that if we are not in the habit of praying, if we do not turn to the lord when we're disappointed and hurt like Hannah did then there is absolutely no way we can avoid becoming bitter without prayer it's impossible we don't have it within ourselves to resist those feelings that well up that then harden into an attitude of resentment We can't do it apart from the grace of God, apart from the the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to go straight to our Father and ask for His help. We have to go straight to the cross and plead for His mercy. Lord, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm hurting. Please, please help me. In everything, the Apostle Paul says... In every circumstance, in every hardship and frustration, in every moment of disappointment, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, in context, the apostle is talking about anxiety, but the principle applies here: The peace of God that comes through prayer guards our hearts against bitterness as well. Now, I'm reminded of an old gospel song we used to sing quite often when I was growing up. Verses three and four say this: "When your heart was filled with anger, did you think to pray?" Did you plead for grace, my brother, that you might forgive another who had crossed your way? When sore trials came upon you, did you think to pray? When your soul was bowed in sorrow, balm of Gilead did you borrow at the gates of day? And the chorus says this, perhaps you know it. Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night to day. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. Hannah's praying was the first thing that stopped her from becoming bitter. The, The second thing was her perspective. Her perspective. It's clear that Hannah understood that it was in the Lord's power to give her a child. And indeed, she prayed that he would bless her in that way. It's also clear that when the child came, she recognised that he was from the Lord. She didn't forget about the Lord. And furthermore, she understood that the Lord was in fact sovereign over all things. We uh, we won't do a deep dive into these verses this morning, but look down, please, at chapter 2, verses 6 to 10. Uh, These are a part of her song of praise. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 6. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill, to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. (laughs) Now this wasn't David speaking, or Moses, or one of the great Old Testament prophets. This wasn't one of Israel's famous leaders. (laughs) No, this was Hannah. This was an ordinary Humble wife and mother from the hill country of Ephraim. But what a perspective. What a a view of God. Some of these words would be drawn upon centuries later by another young woman as she offered her song of praise to the Lord. Her name was Mary. And she too was blessed by the Lord with a son. It was this... Hannah's theology, her, her, under, her understanding and her trust in God's sovereignty and in his power and in his goodness that allowed her to accept the things that, that, that came into her life without becoming resentful. It was this that allowed her to, to, to hold what she had received with an open hand and give it away with joy. And, brothers and sisters, this is the only perspective that keeps us from becoming bitter when bad things happen, when life is difficult, when when we are disappointed and frustrated. I'm talking to mothers in particular today. And, mothers, this is the perspective that you need. You need a biblically informed view of God. A view of God that has depth and richness to it. More than just the sentiments you find in a greeting card or a Facebook meme. You need what Hannah had in those difficult moments those moments of loneliness or despair, when you're frustrated with the kids or you feel let down by those closest to you, you need to turn your mind towards God. You need to go to your theology and remind yourself of who your God is. Remind yourself of his sovereignty and his power and his goodness Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. It was Hannah's praying that kept her from being bitter. It was her perspective. And then thirdly and finally, it was also her praise. Again, I want you to notice something that's not here. In chapter 2, when Hannah sings to the Lord, she didn't say this My heart rejoices in this beautiful little child. She didn't say, My heart rejoices because I was finally able to have a baby and give my husband a son. No. She said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn, or my strength, is exalted in the Lord. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Now there is probably a reference to uh, Peninnah in her song, Hannah's Enemy, and there is probably also a reference to Hannah being barren, but now having a child. But Samuel, her, her, her baby, her, her, her present circumstances aren't really the focus at all. Uh, they're alluded to, but it's the Lord who is the theme of her song. The, the Lord is the focus, his character, his power, what he does and what he will do. Uh, nine times the, the Lord, Yahweh, is referred to by name. Now, there is nothing wrong with rejoicing in the good things that God blesses us with. In fact, God encourages us to do that, to enjoy his good gifts by all means. Rejoice. Find joy in family, in good food, in spending time with other people, in experiencing God's amazing creation. But if that's the focus of your joy, If that's primarily what you rejoice in, then you will have no antidote to bitterness. When it's not fun being with your family, and sometimes it's not, when the good times were yesterday, when other people aren't treating you well, when life is frustrating and difficult, you you will become resentful you will become bitter because there is a deficit of joy You, you were rejoicing in that which can be taken away in that which is mutable and fleeting our praise our joy must be in that which is unchanging in that which cannot be taken away in that which is always true and always present Like Hannah, we must rejoice in God and in the gospel, and then our joy will remain no matter what. As the prophet Isaiah said, so must we say, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation, He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Hannah's praying, Hannah's perspective and Hannah's praise. These are what stopped her from becoming bitter when she had every reason to be. And it's these things that will save us from that terrible poison infecting our lives. Motherhood is not easy, but it doesn't have to be defeating. God's grace is more than sufficient for every challenge. Now I'm sure the mothers who are listening to this sermon don't want to become resentful and angry. (laughs) You you don't want to become a bitter person. You know that's unhealthy. You know it's bad for you. And and bad for those you love. You don't have to be. Here's the way. Like Hannah. Be a person of prayer. Make prayer a priority. Go to the Lord straight away in those difficult circumstances. Develop that right perspective, a, a deep and rich theology, and make sure the focus of your, your praise, the, the source of your joy, is that which is unchanging. Rejoice in God and the Gospel. May God richly bless you on this Mother's Day and always. Amen.